0: Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Satsung Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have uh, my manager, Matthew Fritz. Uh, I shouldn't just say my manager. He's one of my closest friends. Um, He's been with me from the beginning, and he will be with me at the end. Um... I feel an extreme sense of loyalty to Matthew. He's uh, he's seen me in my best, in my worst, and he's just such a fucking calm, uh, moderate-tempered presence in my life. Uh, and the music industry is so intense and up and down and up and down, and he is always the voice of reason for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, aside from my wife, he is my he's my go-to uh, with with Carl in that in that top three running as well, and. We'll have Carl on the podcast uh, here in the here in a couple weeks. But anywho, um, yeah, I just wanted to, A, I wanted to know a bit more about Matt's story and how he got started in the industry and kind of his thinking behind working. And I also just was curious about Matt's take on working with me because I'm a pretty uh, unorthodox individual and, you know, some would say a bit of a handful at times. Uh, And we talk about some hilarious stories when uh, I got a little too hood for my own good. (laughs) So, anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. uh, And, yeah, and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, another thing that I hope to bring to light, uh, you guys all get to see the show. You know, you always get to see the show of of me or any of your favorite artists. And I think it's important to highlight what goes on behind the scenes because managers, agents promoters assistants you know they're the unsung heroes of the industry and it takes so many people to make a tour or a show or a record happen uh and i'm so grateful for every one of those individuals and i am so grateful and blessed that that matthew is that dude for me um i wouldn't want to do it with anyone else and you know i could not see an imaginable situation that would make me do it with anyone else so uh yeah he's my fucking guy uh the Mensch 2.0 Matthew Fritz. Uh, yeah, dig. Hey, Matthew Fritz, my dear friend and manager. Welcome to the Satsung podcast.
1: Hello, Drew. It's good to hear your voice yet once again.
0: <laughs> Dude, so uh, I'm actually really <laughs> pumped about this because um, we always just talk about everything in Satsung World, and I think I know. But I have no idea. This is the diary of Matthew Fritz. Yes, <laughs> <I guess. laughs> so, we we'll let
1: I'll let people in a little bit, but not too much.
2: Okay,
0: that's how I go. All right. Yeah. No, I've noticed that. But I uh, want to know how you got into the music industry because I know a little yeah. bit. But how did you how did you start? Let's start at like uh, first off. When did you it, know you
1: wanted to? That's a good question. Um, honestly, the first memory I have of knowing I wanted to do this was, my parents took me to a James Taylor concert at the theater at Madison Square Garden. I was, I think, 11. Um, We had great seats, Uh, first show ever. And I remember just being like, man, this is really cool. Like, you know, James Taylor's great. I think he's still great. Um, But I'm probably not gonna be James Taylor, but this seems rad. And then I started seeing all the guys wearing black, you know, walking around, giving him his guitars, setting up shit. And I was like, Well, I'm definitely not gonna be him, but maybe it can be those guys, because honestly at the time and you know, throughout my whole life, I I hated school. Yeah. And I was like, it'd be so cool to just travel around the country and the world doing music stuff, but I don't think I'm gonna be the performer. So I wonder what those guys are doing. And from there I kind of just dove into I don't know what, what the music business is, you know, the different elements of it. And um, I never studied it. I never took, you know, official classes or, you know, had a degree or anything, but I always stayed around music whenever I could. So, you know, I graduated high school um, and then went out to CU Boulder and literally the first day I moved into the dorms. uh, I went to the Fox theater and got a production internship and pretty much lived there for the first year of college, just doing whatever I could, you know. It was, I thought it was great, man. I could go see all the free shows, get to meet most of the people, you know. Um, I realized probably production wasn't my my bag, but I really liked being around um, musicians and the people putting on the shows. Uh, so I was lucky to, in Boulder, you know, there was a lot of other resources out there. Um, I actually had an internship at uh, SCI Fidelity Records for a semester, A-o. Um, which is String Cheese Incidents uh, record label. Uh, I don't think records were, or being with the label was my forte. Uh, I did an internship with Crescendo Artists, who was a booking agency. At the time, they were booking like Green Sky. Um, they just finished booking Yonder. Um, and then I did an internship at um, Red Light in Denver, which now is 7S. Um, and that's where I kind of felt like, ooh, I like management. It, uh, you get to touch everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not just like, oh, the agent's going to book the shows and the promotion going to put on the shows. Um, you really get to be one with the artists and come up with the creative campaigns of marketing and how to put out the record and then the shows as well. And so um, that's kind of where I figured out what I wanted to do. Um, And then, you know, as I said, those were all internships and learning experiences. So I had to figure out, okay, how we can get paid for this. Um, (laughs) And luckily uh, in the same office that Crescendo was, was a guy named Brian Langlers, who we all know. Um, He was at the time running Artifact Concepts and doing all of Yonder Mountain Stream Band's merchandise. And it was around November, uh, right when Christmas, you know, orders were starting to come in fast and heavy. And he's like, man, I need some help. And I was like, perfect, I'm, I'll be that guy, I'll pack whatever you want, you know? So I uh, started working with him and that ended up being a six, seven year relationship, mostly based in the merchandising of Yonder Mountain. We did a bunch of other bands too, after a while, like Leftover Salmon, Alfred Revival and all those. Bluegrassy type Colorado bands, um, but then, I, you know, I brought it up to him, I was like, look, this is great, um, but I still am really interested in management, you know, can I start finding bands, and, you know, maybe we do it kind of on the side, or integrated eventually, um, and he was willing to, to do that with me, and so the first band we signed was a band called The Congress, uh, out great, of Denver. Great fucking band. Great band, uh, awesome guys. I think the coolest thing that we did with that band was, and you can find it on Spotify, um, is a project called The Loft Tapes. And it was, they wanted to just go and record soul songs. And so we went, at the time, Brian had an office in uh, Berthoud, Colorado. It was an old Masonic temple. And uh, it had this like, I don't even know the square footage, but it had this ballroom in it. So we set up this uh, Tascam 388, I think that's what it is. It's, it was a Tascam, it was an eight track recorder um, to tape. And um, just went like, I don't know, rogue style on it. You know, one microphone on the drums, we threw a microphone over the, uh, like the rafters in the, on the ceiling. You know, and it was like this moment where just everyone was on, you know, Jonathan who has one of the most amazing voices ever was just one take every time. On the vocals, so I don't know, it's something I'm proud of to be part of, and you should check that out, listeners at home. Yeah. If you um,
2: but yeah, so that, yeah, we that can start with the space. Congress.
1: Yeah, it's cool, and then um, eventually signed uh, Ben Solie, who is a cellist from Kentucky. Um, again, another amazing artist who I think will, you know, eventually go down as you know a pretty important, influential guy just in his niche of what he does. You know, I think he created a sound and- Yeah,
0: dude, I don't know. I show his shit to everybody because it's just mm-hmm. crazy to me that everybody doesn't know who he is because he yeah. might be one of the top 10 talented people that I've ever met in my life.
1: I mean, just um, an amazing mind.
0: Yeah, what's funny too is that Ben and I, on the surface, seem like uh, very different dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every time him and I are in the same space together, uh, we tend to find a corner and just <laughs> shoot the shit. Like at your wedding, yeah. uh, him and I, you know, probably spent two hours just sitting there cooking s'mores for other people's kids and talking about things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ben's just like, you, there's different sides of Ben. You know, you can definitely get the Ben that's at the wedding and, um, is a little looser, or there's just like, you know, 150 year old soul kind of Ben who's just sure. very focused and serious. But like, I mean, one of the smartest people that I have ever met and just a great musician, a great person. Um, so yeah, started working with him, and that was like one of the bigger step ups that, you know, I took in terms of managing and, and working with someone who was established at the time. Um, and then I guess. Around two years after that, you came into the world, into the picture. Uh, I can remember exactly where I was in L.A. at the time. We were just about to sit down for lunch at this, like, waffle spot. Um, Brews waffles. I remember Brian called me. He's like, uh, do you have a second to be on a call? Uh, this kid here in Redwilds wants to sign him, and he wants to talk to an agent. And I was like, sure, yeah, let's do it. Um, and I go what's the deal with the band you know he's like uh I don't know I guess let's just call reggae for now and then we'll you know we can talk more after the call (laughs) so that's the first time I kind of talked with you and it was was you and then the agent was Robbie Boggs
0: Um, R-O-B-B-I-E like it sounds Mm
1: -hmm. and you know (laughs) I had no idea what I was getting myself into um, with you I just I don't know I, w- I was ready for new opportunity and um, you know I guess we can go deeper as we go in the conversation about what we've built since then but that is so, the first memory I have of learning like what Satsung is
0: yeah dude so my version of that story was a funny one because uh, here in Red Lodge you know there's only like 2,500 people but um, everyone when it became obvious that I was like you know, trying to, I was was like booking my own tours and fucking, you know, doing the things everyone was like, Oh, you should talk to Brian. You should talk to Brian. And I never even, I couldn't even put a face to the guy, you know, I no no Mm -hmm. idea who he was. And then at the little health food store, um, I heard the cashier call him Brian. And I was like, Hey, are you Brian music guy? Um, and I just essentially asked if I could come over to his office and get some pointers from him. Um, cause I was in just a huge transition. I didn't have an agent or anything, but I remember he gave me after our like hour long conversation, he gave me a list of shit to do was like, you know, we'll do this and then come back in a couple months. And I remember I called him the next week and was like, done son, what's next? You know? And then he was like, all right, man, come back in and and we'll have a different conversation.
1: Yeah. I've I've heard that story as well. Yeah.
0: Um, Um, And then, yeah, I remember, yeah, I asked, you know, would you, you know, would you be my boyfriend? And he was like, well, I have to talk to my partner.
1: Um, Yeah. And then we had that call. Yeah. Um, And then, and then we, yeah, we put, we hired an agent and uh, hit the road rather recklessly.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Real (laughs) reckless. I remember that, that first summer we did 17 shows in a row without a day off. Yeah. And I'm, and I think we played for 50 people over the course of those 17 shows.
1: Yeah, man, those those calls with you, you know, after each night, it was just. It
0: was, well, it was rough, dude, because there were so many situations where it was like, you know, especially I remember we, we, the one that really stands out was we were in Lawrence, Kansas, and we were going to do an overnight drive to Chicago. And we fucking had sold three tickets, and uh, we had to play, and I remember asking the lady like, "Hey." uh, you know, can we just give, like, I have $21. I'll just give each of them $7 back and we'll just leave now. And she was like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? You have to play. And we played and then she was mad that we only played 90 minutes. And then, Uh uh, we waited around for fucking two hours to get paid. And then she goes, Oh yeah, I don't have any money for you uh you know here was the deal split yada yada uh yeah fuck that night fuck that tour really as a whole
1: but yeah but i mean looking back right yep it had to be done it it had to be done it was a step in the direction we needed to go and you know i think you you take every opportunity to learn something and we learned a lot that tour um and you know sure there might have only been three people at that one show but those three people still might have come to the last six or seven shows we've done in Chicago. Yep. And what is one of my favorite things in
0: the world is when people are like, yo, dude, I was in Minot, North Dakota in 2016. Yeah. You know, I always get so excited when I meet one of those fans that's, you know, tells me they were at one of those fucking random shows. Yeah. And <laughs> hopefully they get those bragging rights too. It's like, totally, the band totally. with
1: three people, you know? Yeah. No, hopefully we I, can get to that point where that becomes a bragging point
0: yeah yeah no i mean i think it already is because it's like uh you know i have that with certain bands you know but i think especially as our festival time slots get bigger and bigger and we you know we start selling more and more tickets it's for sure i mean that's a crazy thing even to see a band go from you know from three to five hundred that's fucking out that's outrageous you know yeah
1: yeah but i think you know the craziest from, show i saw like that uh i saw alt j at the bluebird in here in Denver, yeah i remember you telling me about that 600 people and that was After they had broke, you know, they did one of those, they booked a tour, released the album, thought they were going to be at a certain level. And it just, it went nuts. Cause I remember we saw them at the Bluebird and they had like already around announced like a night or two at Red Rocks after that, but they had to play it, you know? So I was lucky enough to be in that room.
0: Dude. I really hope that happens with the next record. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, without going too much into it, um, cause I want the podcast to be about uh, you and you and I's relationship. You know my perspective of uh of leaving artifact was essentially that um, I found myself by the time we were selling tickets, or rather when we were on those the fronty tour mm-hmm. uh, the crazier things got, I found myself always calling you there was mm-hmm. It was never a question of who I was going to call if shit was hitting the fan if I was. You know right. discouraged or confused or numbers weren't adding up or whatever you know i'll never forget i remember calling you from an airbnb in, in dc and being like where the fuck is this money going you know and i remember you stayed on the phone with me for two hours and built a spreadsheet um yeah and we still use that spreadsheet <laughs> And we still head. use that exact same <laughs> system to this day um but yeah you know and it was like that was about the time you know that i had kind of made up my mind to. uh you know that i was that a i wanted to work with you kind of exclusively but b that uh that i was probably just going to keep working with you because it was i don't know man you never didn't pick up the phone and from everything that i've ever heard about management artists relationships that's kind of a, a crucial yeah. thing
1: i mean it is i think you know i i'm in ever forever in debt to brian for what we built together for sure um You know, and and he stepped away on his own accord. And um, I think it was for the best for him and honestly for the best for me because I mean, co managing artists is tough.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine.
1: There's there's an element of, okay, I'm going to talk with the other manager real quick. We're going to come up with a game plan that we're going to talk to the artist. But, you know, the artist sometimes can only call one person. Yep. So, you know, it's like I get the call from you and then I got to relay the message to the other person. And then we have to make sure that we're on the same page and providing unified front amongst ourselves to the artists but then we also have to be on their team as well and it's like there's a lot of back and forth that uh kind of wastes some time as opposed to the one-on-one that we have now where yeah. it's like you know you have an idea i have an idea we talk about it it can be executed you know because we're Within all in the on hour the same page. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, and totally. it's just yeah and you build that wavelength you know thing between us and know what you're thinking and know how to present shit to you in a way that totally um, totally. i will manipulate into saying one thing but i know how you understand things at this point you know and that's important for any relationship
0: for sure yeah especially with an artist dude especially if your artist happens to be a fucking maniac you know Mm -hmm. you gotta (laughs) There's,
1: there's many times to calm you down when we need to
0: yeah, you know, and the and the further we go, the more. Uh, yeah, I mean, it takes the right personality. You know, it takes the right mm-hmm. personality to, uh, you know, to talk me off the edge. Um, just because, um, you know, I am just a real black and white thinker, and I, you know, one of my favorite things about you is that if you tell me that you're going to do something, um, I just know that that's actually going to get done.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And I just think that, you know, I operate the same way. So it's real hard for me is when other people, uh, particularly in the industry, don't do that. Right. Uh, And also with my background, I'm like, motherfucker, we had a deal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're not holding up your end of the deal. Uh, Now shit's got to get weird.
1: Um, Well, yeah, I mean, to get to the warm and fuzzies of like, you know, my philosophy behind management, you know, it, it will sound cliche, but like, I absolutely fucking love doing what i do Uh, for the longest time at the beginning i held a lot of guilt with uh working in music because i think like most people i was like i'm just getting away with shit right now and (laughs) i feel like to be a normal functioning person in society like i need to have a desk job that i feel miserable at so i can you know count down the hours to five o'clock and then you know go to happy hour with some friends and talk about how much i fucking hate work and like I thought that was the experience that you need. And here I am like actually enjoying waking up and doing what I'm doing and working with the people I work with. And, you know, again, the cliche of like, if you find what you like, you never work a day in your life is absolutely true. Um, And it took a while for me to get to the point of like, no, 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 I've put a lot of time and effort into this. And this is actually a legitimate business now, more so, you know, than before. And, you know, I just, I got lucky and I worked hard and I came to where I am, but, um, yeah. So, you know, like when you say, when you call it, you know, two o'clock, my time to be like, where, you know, what the fuck's going on with this? Like, I, I don't have any recourse to not pick up or any, you know, regret towards like oh, two o'clock in the morning. Cause I
0: love it. Sure. Yeah. I think the thing that separates you and I from a lot of, uh, of people, uh, in our industry is that you and I hysterically laugh whenever we're together and say out loud like fuck we're getting away with murder dude like yeah. I make I make this art and then we sit down and come up with a cool fun quirky plan to present it in the best way possible to people that are excited to get it like that's a fucking st- yeah. say that out loud if you know it's stupid
1: <laughs> yeah and I mean look we're super lucky and you know I think we both appreciate all the fans and yes. their support Yes. You know, obviously, without them, none of this would be possible. And they, they obviously get something out of it. They connect with the music, and that's sure. you know that's so important. But you know, they're letting us live our dreams as well, and hopefully, we're providing them with something that you know gives them a bit of life as well.
0: Yeah, and that's the wild thing, dude. Because I also maintain that you and I work harder than most people that I know. Like, we don't really keep hours. It's kind of just like, oh, cool, if, you know, if X amount of work needs done, then, like, yeah, pull the e-brake. I guess we'll just do it right now, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's so
1: – it's just fascinating to me. You know, this I, I always equate this business, too, to um, – it's like the lows are really low and the highs are really high, and things can change in an instance. And, you know, I, I always go back to uh, Lake Street Dive. Is a band that I liked. I remember um, they were actually opening up for the Congress, like when I was working with them, you know. And we were selling 30 to 50 tickets. And they made that video on the street of Boston. I remember. I forget what song they were
0: playing. The Jackson 5 tune.
1: Yeah. And like Katie Couric, I think, retweeted it. And then Kevin Bacon did. And it was just like off to the races. And that's what gets me up in the morning is the fact of like, if you have a good enough product and sound and you create something cool there's a whole ecosystem out there where if it connects with enough right people things change in an instance and like the potential every day of trying to implement something and it having changed your world and the world of people around you is it's exciting
0: it's the most exciting thing in the world dude you know what else is really different about you uh that's one of my favorite things is you meet a lot of people in this industry that I think when they started, they're like, yeah, man, I fucking love music. That's why I'm here. Um, But, you know, they get to a place where it's like, yeah, this is a job. And then you kind of become disillusioned with the shows and you're just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, man, this is my job now. But dude, I don't remember the last time I was hanging out with you when you didn't have a live, not just like, Oh, I'm listening to this record, but didn't have a live show of some band Playing in the background. Like I feel like that's like ninety-nine percent of what is happening when I'm around you is that we're listening to a show, an actual show.
1: (laughs) There's uh there is certainly a massive level of enjoyment through that. I think I've also conditioned myself to the point where if I don't have anything background on, yeah. It gets a little weird in my world. Sure. You know, so um there is that element, but I just I don't know, I I just love the idea and experience of live music, you know, I I still get the tinglies when you walk into a venue or the a band plays that song that like you've been waiting to hear and just like the crowd all connecting in one moment and like there's nothing that will replace that. I know we're all dealing with live streams right now and we're re-watching shows. There's amazing moments you can get out of that. But when you're in a room full of, you know, however many people and for like a few moments you're just on the same wavelength of freaking the fuck out. Like show me a better
0: feeling yeah dude and my favorite thing in the world is being the uh the conductor of that moment you know for right. me as far back as i can remember i actually remember seeing james taylor on fucking sesame street and knowing yeah. for certain that i wanted to be james taylor yeah you know, <laughs> you know like it always totally. was big influence yeah totally you know um uh, and Yeah. It's just, it's, it's really cool to me. I'm really glad that people like you exist because that's how the industry runs. And I think, I think there's a lot of questions. Like people always, you know, kind of allude to like, you know, what does a manager do? And I'm like, Did uh, you
1: ask my mom uh, that question?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I get that
1: from her sometimes.
0: Yeah. I always am like, uh, pretty much everything, but play the show.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's I mean, I think kind that's of what inaccurate. I tell people. I always say it's like you know, it's, think of the manager of a restaurant, right? You're gonna have the cooks, you in the back of house, you have the front of house, um, you know, the wait staff. There's all these different departments, and the manager of the restaurant is gonna make sure that everyone shows up on time, everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing, um, and that's what I mean. A manager does on the surface with a band. You know, you got to build the team find the agent, find the label if you're at that point, uh, you know, lawyers. And then as you get higher, it's, you know, tour managers and building that team around the artists and then being the conduit for the team and the artists, you know, mm-hmm. like, Hey, here's what we want to do in terms of, you know, routing for this tour, you know, Drew and I have already put together. We go to the agent and say, let's execute this. Um, mm-hmm you are definitely way more involved than, than some artists um, with all of that stuff, which is, I think, a testament to what we've built so far. And I wouldn't have it any other way, but yeah, managers like just overseeing everything and looking forward and also a lot of psychology with the artist, yeah, and just making sure that like they are satisfied and reaching the goals that they want. Because in the end, you know, you're going to do a ton of work, but it's, it's their career, you know? It's yeah. And that's not-
0: always a weird thing. You know, that's something that's, um, that I think about a lot and maybe it's just cause you and I are so close, but I always think about that. Um, especially like when we played at the Bluebird and sold it out was, I just couldn't help but think, you know, in between songs. And I was like looking at the crowd of just like, shit, man, if people knew how much calculation and time and hours went into selling these 600 tickets, like, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's cool to be the center of attention, but you know, I just, yeah, I give you the utmost credit. Cause it's like, right. Um, it's the weirdest thing in the world to me to be like, yeah, dude, I work, you know, X amount of hours a week. Um, you know, sometimes it's like having two full time jobs. Other times it's pretty chill. But at the end of the day, we're building this whole thing, and I'm the one that gets to go step on stage at Red Rocks, not you. And you're yeah. like, hey, my, there he is. There's my guy. Yeah, I got a boy.
1: You know, I find my joy and satisfaction in that because, you know, I think, Hey, I know internally that, I, you know, we've reached that point, and yeah. I was definitely helpful in that. Um, there's also a certain industry recognition that you get, you know, sure. that. I get as a facilitator of that. And, um, you know, that feels good. Um, but I mean, I look, I love standing on the side of the stage and watching, you know, you or any artist just like achieve what they were working towards. Yeah. And I have no need or desire to be out there in front of people to take the credit for it. Don't I know Cause, it? Cause those who know, you know, those who know, know, and, uh, you know, that's, that's what matters to me.
0: Yeah. I get just as much
1: adrenaline rush, I think, as you do, to be honest.
0: Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. That picture you shared uh, the other day or this morning that you sent me, it's like, dude, I fucking live for those moments. Uh, You know, I heard Bob Weir say once, it's like everything I do is just wasting time until I get to play again. Yeah. And, uh, and the picture is, uh, is me jumping up and down right before I got to go on stage and it's yep. just like, you know, all of the shit, all the fucking calls, all the routing, all the, you know, ticket counts, all the shit. And then it's just like, okay, cool. Let's fucking do it, man. Like now it's here. You're
1: yeah. Um, yeah, paying the them. artists to travel and set up their shit and, you know, the music's free. Yeah. <laughs> Once you hit yeah. the stage, that part is actually just to yeah. the fans. All the, the negotiations of the deal and all the dancing right. and all that. That's that's what
0: the money's for. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent
1: is free.
0: Yes. Yeah. It was really weird, you know, cause you and I are at an interesting spot with COVID like everybody is, but in February, you and I had made a list of goals that we wanted to accomplish in 2020. And I remember on February 6th, I remember cause it was Bob Marley's birthday. Mm-hmm. We had accomplished the last goal on the list. So in February, you and I were looking at 2020, like Red Rocks, check Europe, check, sell out the Bluebird, check.
1: Oh also Cali Roots was in there.
0: And Cali Roots was in there. Um and that landed. Um and yeah, so we were like, holy shit, dude, 2020. And you know, and we had just started selling tickets, like fall tour crushed. Um, right. so we were just going into 2020, just like, all right, this is the breakout year. But what's been really cool is even since this has happened, you know, we're fucking litigating record deals and we're working on new music and plays are going up and all of the stuff, you know, it's like it's it's still happening, it's just happening in a different way. And I don't feel yeah, like I mean, you and you and I have stopped working any less. I'm just not traveling No,
1: well COVID's COVID's a curse and a blessing. You know, yeah. We we've had our industry taken out from underneath us, the live element which we so depend on um has been wiped away and and for i think valid reasons we need to keep people safe so that we can all do this again um there will be a crater left behind from this in terms of venues and and artists but uh you know that's the curse the blessing has been an ability to kind of slow down and look at all segments of you know the satsang business and figure out what we've been missing, what we haven't been able to do, because before then it's just go 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 on, you know, booking shows, announcing tours, and then hounding promoters to make sure that they did their job properly. Um, we would never have done stuff like set up Sound Exchange or uh, right. set up song trust to collect, you know, publishing across the world. Or you know, I think it's a really good time for artists to dig down and say, who are my fans and how do I better engage them and how do I build my fan base further because you go to a venue and you play to 50 people right some already might be fans you only have a, a audience of 50 people that you can turn on at that one time i mean with the internet you can scale your audience so much faster and further you know hey yeah check out this new song all i want you to do is just share it with your friend, right And all of a sudden that person maybe shares it with 50 people right there and that's just one person you know, and they all hopefully go and like your social, sign up for your email list. Like the scalability in this time is a lot more appealing. And it's something I think, you know, I know we've been trying to look at doing and have been doing. And I think other artists should look at that as well. You know, it's easy to send links around through social media to your to your channels or to make that piece of content that, you know, people feel like they want to share. And all of a sudden you're reaching, you know, a thousand people as opposed to just the 50 in the club that night.
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, what's really interesting. The The part of the industry that still um, really excites me and makes me scratch my head is that is the weird, like um, tethers between shit. Like, like we have 150 270,000 monthly listeners at any given time on Spotify, but we have like 25,000 Instagram followers. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So it's like, there's some way to connect those two. What that is, I don't know, but it used to be like, uh, I feel like we used to always be like, okay, well, how do we read? Because for me, man, I get it. You know, we got to have a Instagram followers and and that's a way to promote a product and, and brand and, and yada, yada. But for me, man, the ultimate litmus test is are people listening to your shit? You know, without name dropping, you and I know a lot of artists with a fuck ton of Instagram followers and no one's bumping that shit,
1: you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, huh. and to go deeper on your Spotify stuff, um, you know, yeah, right now you're about 150,000 monthly listeners, but the real metric that is impressive. Is the uh, the followers, um, which is I think you're at let's see thirty five thousand. So that's you know one hundred fifty thousand people a month listen to your music on Spotify, which is great. But thirty five thousand of them have gone in and like actually clicked the button that says yes, I'm a fan, and I want right. to be notified anytime there's new music or anything with this band. Yep. Um, and like you know for for you but for all artists out there that's the most important driving factor at least with spotify right now it's that ratio between the monthly listeners and the followers and the closer that number gets to each other the more likely we are to get playlisted and sure all that other stuff but it's it's you know getting people to actually commit you know it's one thing to get them to commit to hit the like you know, button on Facebook or get the hit the follow button on Instagram. It's even harder to get the follow hit the follow button on Spotify because it's just not. Dude, I don't nature, know that I've know.
0: ever hit follow
1: on Spotify. You probably haven't. I, I never. Honestly, the, the first I, time I, I really don't did think it I ever was today with a post I did for you guys of like, I unfollowed you so I could take a screenshot to say, "Hey, oh. one thing you can do to help the band." <laughs> Is hit that follow button, you know, and then I hit the follow button, I think. Now, I believe, and I'm not 100% sure of this, but I believe if you listen to an artist enough on Spotify, you automatically follow them. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's just not second nature. Um, yeah, no.
0: Well, and people say all of the time, dude, like, um, for instance, you know, people put our music in their stories a lot. And then I'll put it on. Yep on my story. And then someone will hit me up and Mm -hmm. be like, Oh my God, I can't believe you shared that on your story. I'm such a huge fan. And then two days later I'll see them follow me. And I'm like, yeah, like I would never think of that. Like for instance, um, it's only because you and I've had this conversation so many times that like, I'm really into that Lindsay Lou record right now. Right. I just, when I got to Denver after listening to uh, her entire catalog was like, Oh yeah. I should follow her on Instagram because I always say, right. <laughs> you know, cause we always talk about this. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, that Instagram engagement in terms of what you said, you know, when you share something and it, that means a lot to the fans and people. I mean, shit, we do it ourselves, right? Like you send a private message to one of your MMA heroes and <laughs> I get hey. those text messages from you and be like, dude, you'll never guess. You never guess who fucking got back to me. And I go, I don't think I'm going to because I have no idea who any of these people are, but <laughs> I'm happy for you, but you're excited. You know, it's like it's almost you reaching out to that individual person being like, I see you. And yeah. Thank
0: you. Yeah. And and it's crazy. You and I have just started in the last year. Um, I didn't want to do the live stream thing because mm-hmm. everyone was doing it, which pretty much immediately makes me not want to do it if everybody else is doing it. And the right. thing that completely changed my outlook on it was you're like. Listen, dude, you're people's favorite band. Think about your favorite band, and you're that to some fans.
2: Yeah.
0: And that was when I was like, oh, shit, that would be a dick move not to do these live streams. You yeah, know? we should do more of them. Yeah. We should, yeah, we should, right? get,
1: we should get better internet for you. And we well, I just got to not
0: use the Be Live thing. Nothing against B Live. I don't know if anyone's listening. It works there. I, I'm sorry. It just doesn't work for me. I live in the mountains. Um,
1: yeah, fair enough. But um, uh, I think people want more of that. You know, you can. It, just giving them access
0: to, to totally totally and i feel like we've kind of built the brand on a authenticity but b you know uh as you know i'm just real fucking high in openness man i just have no problem sharing shit you know um yeah. i'm Too a,
2: much.
0: sometimes I'm a, yeah i'm an oversharer. yeah well because you know how i process the world around me as i say things out loud and i kind of gauge reaction um which you know, Having a band with fairly normal bandmates has been really good for me because we drive around the country and I say things out loud and they're like, "Yeah, man, that's pretty fucked." I'm like, "Oh, okay, mm-hmm. we'll keep that in the pocket."
1: <laughs> yeah, keep that one in the van.
0: Yeah, um, but um, uh, but yeah, you know, I think that's that's something really special uh, that I found through through music, and that you've done a really good job of kind of helping harness and brand it is. Is, yeah, just vulnerability, but also just, you know, I want to fucking hug every fan before they leave. I want to say thank you to every single person yeah. because my life is a dream yeah. because these people listen to my music, you know?
1: Right. Totally. Um, I thought. I don't know. can't remember what I
0: was going to say. Well, hey, you were, you were talking about me reaching out to uh, MMA heroes of mine. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And – that's a, that's a good segue into uh, what are your thoughts and feelings about me being uh, so involved with mixed martial arts?
1: Uh, Ever changing. Uh, I think at first, you know, I would playfully get annoyed with you because every call that we would have would at least start with um, some recount of, whatever move you had just done earlier that day or what injury you got as a badge of honor. Um, And then it was just doubled down on the fact that our agent also does mixed martial arts. So I would literally connect the call between you two and then put it on mute for about five minutes. So you guys get that out of you. Um, I mean, look, you know, I I played hockey growing up, so I'm no, uh, no, you know, uh, i'm not I'm used to fighting uh I'm also just you know a white Jewish kid from Connecticut, so you know like real big fights weren't necessarily my bag um, yeah but I think it, it you know I call you after you're done uh rolling as yep. the term is and you definitely seem like you're in a better place um and you know as a manager, I'm looking at m m a right now is like what we kind of did with yoga in terms of really drilling down on that segment of the population because we knew that the music resonated with them and was fans sure it seems like our next move is to kind of move into this mma space of like you're making all these connections with these fighters it's a growing sport they seem to resonate with the music a lot um which is so crazy
2: and that's kind of just
1: a theory i have for you know any artist that's really starting out is you're not going to go out and appeal to everybody but find out who you do appeal with and break those segment of fans off and double down on them you know we found that it was yoga people you know when videos started getting posted of your songs going to certain flows you know we're like okay let's hit up every yoga person that we know and give them a download for, to download three free tracks of Satsung Music they use in your Instagram video. And we did that. You know, let's go play yoga shows before the actual shows because maybe we can get those people to come, you know, and buy tickets. Uh, yep. Let's go do Wanderlust, you know, which was a really great and lucky experience. Let's, how do we get into that world and just like say, hey, yogis, we're Satsung. We want to be the band that, is part of your scene yeah, yeah. we want to we want to be those musicians everyone wants to hang out the musician we want to be those people and i think we've done a great job i don't think by any means we're done in that world but i am starting to see through just you know talking and hanging with you and you showing me examples of stuff that maybe mma is that next kind of segmented fan base that we can focus on
0: dude i hope so uh you know they're the coolest fucking people in the world um, mm-hmm. I, you know, for me, these connections are crazy because, uh, you know, like for instance, with the podcast, you know, someone sent me a video of this fighter walking out to I am, and I was like, mm-hmm. what a wild fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hit the dude up and then he was like, yo, dude, we're all coming me and like half the gym are coming to the the North Carolina show. Um, right. and then we had three days off and I was like, well, bet mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to come train for sure. Um, right. and, and, you know, just something special happens when you, when you train with people because you, uh, you're going out to the yeah, edge with them.
2: Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, it's, it's an, it's an intimacy that's, uh, that's unmatched, man. It's just, yeah. you know, we're, we're hurting each other to make each other better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, So this, you know, you have these lifelong relationships when you're like, yeah, dude, we spent three days together, but I'd fucking, I'd ride for that dude, you know? And then with the podcast, it was like, oh, I'm going to have chase on. And then it was just like following this tether back. So like, how the fuck did y'all hear my music? And I assumed it was from just some other random small circuit fighter, but it wasn't, it was the most decorated mixed martial artist of all time, Benson Henderson. That was who shared the music with everyone. So it's like, yeah, You know, it's just so fucking wild yeah. when you follow these tethers
2: all the way back.
1: I think, yeah, and I think, you know, with talking, you know, a little bit about the new record, um, I'm a big believer in storytelling for an artist. You know, it, it's only so much to say, oh, that sounds good. You know, I enjoy listening to that. But why do you really want to connect with an artist? Because, you know, they have the same Thoughts and feelings as you, they come from a similar place as you. You know, there needs to be more than just like that's a good song to really become a fan. And I think with this next record, what my goal is um, is to tell the story. <laughs> I'm gonna say it, the story of you, <laughs> uh, and you know, and who you are, and like see who else is out there that resonates with that. You know, living in rural Montana and fighting people and hunting animals and fishing and you know really caring about your family it makes you unique within the scene for sure um and i think that you know let's tell that story and i think you know mma is obviously a big part of it because it is really the only fucking thing you talk about (laughs) it's true it's true I
0: love it so much and um and yeah I mean that's that's it's funny man because I you know you and I talk about it all the time um that you know it's hard for me to relate sometimes to other artists um because I just feel like a lot of artists live super artisty lifestyles Mm -hmm. you know and I don't you know, I'm a fucking stay at home dad. And then when I do have me time, you know, I'm either playing in the mountains or yeah, I hunt in the fall, I fish and, um, and and I train, you know, and that's really my life. That's really all that I do. Um, so for me, the people that I connect with more, like it's more likely that I'm going to connect with someone that also hunts fishes and trains mixed martial arts than I am, you know, another guy that plays the guitar. Cause it's yeah. like, all right, well we have, we have, you and I have one thing in common, but right. me and this cat have like eight things in common. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Cause that's yeah. the other thing that, you know, another big thing in the martial arts community is family. You know, it's just really important. Right. Um, yeah. so it's, you know, I just have a lot in common with, with a lot of these dudes because, you know, it's not just one thing yeah. of like, Oh, you also travel and play your guitar. That's cool. You know?
1: Right. Well, I think, you know, as fucking crazy as you can be sometimes, uh, you are super grounded because of all of that, you know. Uh, the fact that you are sober on the road has made a huge difference and I think has helped the growth of the band. Sure. Uh, the fact that, you know, you can call me after a show with a problem and, and talk coherently about that problem or I can call you in the morning and you're already up and, you know, we figure out what the hell is going on for that day. Um, yeah, that I think that That means a lot, to. I mean, means a lot to me. But like your development as an artist, and I'm not saying it's the only way to go. I think there's a lot of musicians and artists that can have a good time. But um, I think it's helped you.
0: Yeah, you know, for me, man, I just uh, I I think it keeps our workflow in order. Of like, you know, one of my favorite things ever was uh, that I joke about all the time was this last tour. Uh, Ben opened his eyes. And we just made eye contact right when he woke up and he goes, you've been up for a while. I can tell, um, you know, cause for me on the road, it's like, you know, I want to get back to the hotel and go to sleep so I can wake up and work out before we get in the van. So, you yeah. know, by the time you and I talk, I've already worked out, I've already eaten, I'm already hydrated and I'm already on caffeine number two, Right. So, you know, so we can really get yeah. after the day. Um, yeah. And and for me, it's just like, like you know, dude, I'm just not fucking around. Like, I just no. take this well, shit so it's, serious. It's a business for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, let me roll that back a little bit. It's a passion and a love, but it is also your business at the same time. And I think we approach it like that. You know, yeah. it's the thrill of going, selling the tickets, getting in front of all those people, giving them the night they'll never forget, meeting them after the show, and like, Luckily that's enough.
0: Yeah. Well, and for me, dude, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, dude, I'm trying to win lives. I'm trying to win lives mm-hmm. over, you know, cause I feel like mm-hmm. I have something to say to people. So the, the more efficiently we run our business, the more people I can get this message to. Um, right. And, you know, I just, I want to be as efficient as possible because I want to reach as many people as possible. I don't, I don't want to stay small. I want to be huge because right. I don't feel like there is a lot of artist examples. Of, I don't know, man. I just, I guess I just have a different outlook on, on how to be a real one. And, right. and I want to share that with people. So the more efficiently that you and I work, the faster we'll get to the
1: promised land as it were. Yeah. Have you ever told the story of the first Fronty tour? to everybody yeah I feel like that I feel like that was a, a breaking point and should probably be discussed it's, you know the, the first show in Florida yeah well just that whole I mean tour and everything surrounding it
0: yeah yeah so the first you know the first shows that that we did we got asked to because we had played at Janice Live in St. Pete the promoter of that show you know had us on a short list of openers because Fronty wasn't traveling with an opener at the time and we got asked to come to the show in St. Pete, and then you and Brian worked to get us on those two other shows, and mm-hmm. um, I spent all but $37 um, to get down there.
1: Right, and I had we, to, we all flew down, yep. got the car, and then we went to like the fucking swamp. Yeah. Up a drum set at like yeah.
0: and do you remember the kind of car it was a fucking chevy spark it was yeah. like the cheapest most compact car that they had so we went and picked up matt um and me matt and i think keller was with us yeah and uh and we yeah we drove into the <laughs> yeah i just had a really funny memory of that night <laughs> so keller had lined out borrowing this shitty drum kit from some kid that was a friend of a friend and it was dark out (laughs) and this guy's dad was helping load the drum kit and i thought it was matt and when he popped his head up i like stuck my middle finger super close to his face (laughs) and the dude was like excuse me do you have a fucking problem and i was like oh my god no i don't i remember that yeah (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) yep but we we packed it up a lot quicker after that happened yeah totally Like, like
0: all right dude have a good one but yeah. Um yeah, you know, we played that first show and the reason that I took that gig was because I knew that Franti could watch from the from the balcony because of the way the venue was set up. But you know, I just remember you know, I remember we had to emergency print more CDs because I could only bring mm-hmm. I could only fit so many. Um which was a fucking thing. Right. And that whole time, dude, yeah. I just you know, that whole those whole three shows, I didn't really get a um didn't really get to soak any of it up because it was just so go 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 but i remember you know franti made eye contact and stopped and pointed at me as he was crossing that catwalk watching Mm -hmm. me outside hustling cds yeah and then the last thing i said to him that night was like yo dude if you got room i'd love to come up and spit a verse and i literally i was shaking so hard right after i said it because he literally looked at me and was like cool you know like no, no real sort of like yeah man that'd be dope he just right. was like cool yeah um and then the next night you remember we were sitting there in jacksonville having a conversation yeah. while they were sound checking and he just yeah. goes drew and his sound guy just comes up and hands me a wireless mic
1: right
0: and he's just like spit a verse and i was like yeah. oh okay <laughs> you know yeah. and i just spit some shit that i had memorized yeah. for the occasion and um and it just really built, I don't know, man, the whole thing was crazy. And then when we got, when we got back from that, we got the Franti tour and then we got two Trevor tours.
1: Yeah. Um, and we but just had- I think the, the the thing that definitely sticks out in my mind with that whole thing was the fact that you just, we, Brian and I were selling merch at the merch booth and you just came up and said, give me like 30 CDs. I was like, just hand them to you. And you ran off, and then to see you there, just like you—I I actually didn't even see you. You ran off, and then you just came back with like, like, you know, a stack of money. I was like, what the hell? And he's like, I just stood at the door, and I hustled CDs, and I was like, oh, okay, that's different. <laughs> Somebody used to sell that's drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was like, I—you know—that was a moment. That was a moment where I
0: said, okay, that's that's where the work I is gonna be now. Yep. Yeah, man, and I still have that shit. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If we were fucking playing with yeah. the Lumineers, I'll fucking stand outside MSG and sell CDs, no fucking problem. You know? I yeah. just I just don't ever want to yeah. get comfortable. You know, that's my biggest fear is is getting comfortable and thinking that I've made it. Cause listen man, whether it's it's music or um or fighting or fucking bodybuilding or whatever. It's like the amount of time you're going to get to do your dream is just, it's not guaranteed. You know, it's not guaranteed. It can get shut off at any time. So it's like anything that I have to do, you know, to keep it moving. Um,
1: Yeah. Well, I think for me, it goes back to, you know, I said I'm always just watching live shows uh, when we were around cuz uh, cuz I watch that and I'm like that's what I want you know yep. I see everything that goes into you know playing a show at MSG and you know getting the crew together and the buses and like all the little behind the scenes shit that happens with that and it's like that's what I wake up and go to sleep thinking about is like that's what I want you know and I'm not going to stop till we get there
0: yeah, same, same. Yeah, dude, selling out MSG would be a good marker to take a breath. I think. Yeah. Now two nights. Well, that's. I mean, really let's
1: just it. let's let's start with Red Rocks. I mean, that I think Red Rocks was a an all time bucket list thing for me. You know, especially living in Colorado, and uh, you know, obviously we weren't able to do it this summer, and we will do it next summer. Um, but that'll be a big old feather in the cap.
0: Yeah. Same. I think that's a that's a big one for, for every artist. Um, dude, what has been your – what was your – we'll start with the bad. What, what's what been your least favorite moment uh, managing me?
1: I mean, I think the, that, like, first summer tour, you know, the one where you said you played 17 shows in a row and just, right. like – there, there was still not out there driving and facing, you know, nobody and as you say, to use a quote you, eating the shit sandwiches.
0: Shit sandwiches. You know, yeah. I,
1: I I took all of the um Yeah, I mean I, I felt it alongside of you, but I still wasn't there doing it. And that was really yeah. tough. Um it was like because you know I never want to be like oh well man sorry bummer you know I want to take responsibility as much as the artist does it's like you know I my heart skips a beat every time it's like you know around 7 o'clock here and you're on the east coast so it's like 9 o'clock there and you text me you go I don't know man doesn't look like too many people are going to be here yeah you know and like that fucking stings.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: because yeah. all I want is to fucking succeed and to make it go well. And, you know, I feel like I've worked in with the best of my ability to do that. And sometimes it just doesn't hit. Sometimes it's a Wednesday night in you know, Cincinnati, Ohio, and it just ain't in the fucking cards. But still, I don't take that as what it should be. So, you know, those moments of, like, sharing the mm-hmm. guilt of, you know, the show not going well. But, Unfortunately, you're the one that has to face it. I'm just the one that has to deal with you afterwards.
0: Right. Yeah, and you start to get you know you start to take them on the chin a little bit better. You know, especially as things get better. You know, like when we had um, had the Brooklyn show last summer flop, and we're like, "What the mm-hmm. fuck happened?" Yeah. And then we found out that the train wasn't running from Manhattan to Brooklyn that night, and it's like, "Well, that'll right. fucking get you." You know, <laughs> in my mind,
1: you- but my, but in my mind, it was still. I don't give a fuck about a train. We're still in the borough of Brooklyn and there's still a million plus people here. Why aren't they here? You know? And I just, I take that upon myself, figure out what went wrong and how to do it better next time.
0: Yeah. And I'm with that. And I feel like you and I always do a good job of that, of like, uh, yeah, I feel like the better it gets, the more positive the attitude is on the on the rare occasion that a show tanks, where we're just like, okay, cool, well, I talked to the promoter, and he said this, and next time right. we'll just hit this then. Um, yeah. Like, last time we cool. played in Oakland, you know, we had a great fucking show in Oakland, and the promoter, or whoever the manager for the venue was, was like, yeah, man, we didn't even really promote this show, so Good job. But now that I've seen the show, <laughs> he goes, <Yeah. laughs> now that I've seen the show, I know exactly who to market the show to. So we'll sell out next right. time. Don't worry.
1: Great. Glad we could drive halfway across the country. For yeah. To, uh, dude, experiment no on what this band is, even though I've been yeah. telling you the whole fucking time.
0: I'm only, I'm only I two know. days from home, so it's no biggie.
1: Right. I love those promoters.
0: I appreciate the honesty, you know, um, it's true, I,
1: but it's their job, you know, and look, 90% of the promoters that we work with are amazing people who you know, are running really solid businesses and putting a lot of effort into this stuff. But there's still that, you know, every time we book a show, I usually try and talk to each promoter, hopefully by phone, sometimes just by email. And I always lead with, all I want is this, for to, go to, is this to go well so that we can all succeed. Right? Yeah. I, I don't want to get to the end of the show and look at you and say, what the fuck you didn't do anything? And I don't want you to look at me and say, All you guys did was show up and no one came. That's we're in the business of getting people to come experience music. Uh, there takes a little bit of effort in that at this point. You know, well and yeah, like I said on that call the other day.
0: Uh, when we were all on on that on that team call where I was like look, man, you know, the goal here is that we all want to make each other money. If I'm making right. money, you're making money. So it's like everyone has to put in, you know, their stick into the fire to make this thing bright. So, yeah, you know, yeah. let's all put in.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: What, is your, uh, what was your favorite moment that you've had managing me?
1: Favorite moment? I mean, the bluebird was pretty cool. Um, yeah, when we sold that, that out in one. February, that was, that was just fun because like we got to, unfortunately for the last time in a while, but kind of got a glimpse of like what that next level will be. And what I, back to that first concert of James Taylor, of like we come in sold out show ahead of time. So you're not biting your fingernails and like standing at the door and being like, you know, <laughs> How many people are actually walking down the street? Are they actually coming? I don't know. Um, We could could sit back, really focus on putting on the best show, you know, doing things like the walkout music and stuff like that because we were in control at that point. And then it was, you know, going back to the Airbnb after an amazing experience with, you know, you and all the band and waking up at four in the morning to go fly to Arizona, you know, to go play Arizona Roots and then wake up at 4 in the morning and fly back home again and like that's I love doing that. I love yeah. just like that experience of like you're hanging out with your friends going to do the coolest shit ever and getting away with murder essentially.
0: You know, yeah, like, dude, and those uh those airport hangs when everybody's real tired are always hilarious, particularly yeah. with Stefan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was that remember that one guy who was like, "You guys look like a band." Uh, how'd you My guess? Mom. Was it
0: was it the matching jackets? I think it was yeah. a
1: stink coming off of us, to be honest. But
0: um... yeah, what was funny was he comes he comes over and he was like pulls his headphones out. I he was like, you guys are all right, man. I just saw your jackets, and I just I, I pulled you up yeah. on Spotify. Good shit, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he wouldn't leave us alone after that. I, I no. don't know if you ever ended up coming to the festival, but. Um... Maybe I'm a new fan and well, random guy in Phoenix, Arizona. We'll maybe see he's,
0: a, maybe he's one of the 35,000 that hit, hit follow. Yeah. He maybe. told us his whole story, dude. So if you're from Cleveland, Ohio and you're out there to see about an old college girlfriend, you weren't sure how it was going to go, but we're just going to hang out for a few days. See what happens. Yeah. Uh, I hope it went favorably for you, man.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and there's tons of other moments. I mean, the fronti thing was, was a big deal. Um, I kind of remember. Unfortunately, I never thought it'd happen, but some of the stuff's kind of melting together a little bit. Um, But yeah, those are are things that stand out in my mind as of right now. I think I'll put Red Rocks in there next summer.
0: Yep, 100%. All right, dude. Similar question, but different. Uh, What is your least favorite thing about me?
1: Hmm least favorite thing about you? I think sometimes you make up your mind and it's hard to give into otherwise yeah. on certain issues and topics. Uh, I mean, we come from very different backgrounds and I think we see, we see the world a lot the same, but there's definitely things that are different. And I approach certain situations, um, let's say with a little bit more finesse,
2: than you do <laughs>
1: yeah um you know but i think in the end we always come to a mutual agreement but there yeah. are uh definitely times when it's difficult i mean i can think back to i won't last summer there was a festival that you got there and uh on site they wanted to change the deal of, of oh, the show. oh shit and i mean I, I've, I'm already losing my hair a lot, but I lost a lot of hair that evening because.
0: Because I told you I was, was going to fuck homeboy up.
1: Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, where our, that's where our background is different, of, you know, that crosses your mind. And my resolution is let's talk
2: like and <laughs> human beings
1: and try and, you know, figure out what's going on. And, you know, there's just sometimes when you're like that and you're worked up and just. It's harder to get through to you. Sure. I figured it out a little bit, but I think that's probably the most difficult thing or what I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. With you.
0: So before we go to the good, uh, I'll run down that scenario for everyone. Cause it's a good story. And I'm, uh, and I doubt. Let's keep, do... let's keep names and parties yeah. out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we played, uh, we played an event and, uh, and we arrived at the festival And I get a call from me, Matthew, uh, saying the promoter for the festival is, is wondering if he can cut your pay a little bit because ticket sales aren't what he thought they would be. And I was like, well, what are we talking here? And he's like $3,000. And I said, no, uh, you know, I have. Uh, you know, I said yes to this a under the agreement that I was going to be paid what I was told I was going to be paid, but B we made a lot of other decisions that summer based around that income being factored in.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and you know, my mother-in-law was real sick at the time and I knew that I was going to take a huge chunk of time off this winter. Like I normally would anyway, but I just knew that summer that my wife was going to be missing a bunch of work. So I needed the money. So for me, it it was, it was a family thing but i also felt insulted um and when i asked uh when i asked to speak to the fella he he came up uh and he said what's up you know and i said yeah man i'm not i'm not taking an L here it's not my event you and i had no had an agreement you signed a piece of paper and that's your bond dog you say that's your word mm-hmm. so I'm not about to sue you over $3,000, but you know, you told me and, and he goes, what? okay, cool, man. Well, if you need it, you need it. And then he called right. you. What? What? Hang on. Hang on. You froze
1: up. Uh, let me interject real quick.
0: Okay. Because at
1: the same time that, you know, the the news came down that he wanted to do the reduction. Um, and I first told you about it. I went into overdrive of talking with the agent who had booked the show at the time. Um, and then I was calling other managers. I mean, even managers of the headlining bands, just saying, what are you doing? And trying to just, this is the first time we ever together experienced this kind of uh, situation. Right. So I wanted to get other people's I respected opinion. And I did that and took it to you. Uh, you did not quite take it to heart. You did not see eye to eye with what other people were doing.
0: No, dude. No, because, cause again, if you tell me you're going to do something, homie, I told you I was going to be there at a certain time and do a certain thing. Here I am. Mm-hmm. I brought yeah. everything I said I was going to bring, yada, yada. Yep. Um, but but the part where it took a hard left for me was I was pissed from the gate um, <laughs> and, and, and ready to roll. dude. Three grand is a lot of money to me. I
2: know, and,
0: I know. and he goes – and then after we talked, he goes, well, if you need it, you need it. And then he walked. And then he called you and goes, he was being super aggro. And uh, I'm thinking about just canceling. And then you guys can just keep the deposit. And once you told me that, I was like, oh, are we fucking pulling ripcords here? <laughs> are we, is that what yeah. we're doing? We're going to go yeah. Depcon 7. And I just yeah. wanted to let dude be known that he had the yeah. wrong number. That, like, if you want to get crazy and now you want to talk about a 3K L and turn it into a $7,500 L, then we're going to escalate this to a $7,500 situation.
1: I remember that. And I remember you going, all right, I'm going to go talk to him. And I said, you got to stop for two minutes.
2: <laughs> you got
1: to calm the fuck down. Yeah. I was like, no, no, I'm roll. fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, sure, you got to calm the fuck down. <laughs> and you got to go in there like a saint. And you know, and I I wasn't sure if you were hearing me or not. No, I was of how worked up. You were
0: I was real worked uh, up, but I I heard you, and what I started thinking is, all right, you know, I previously uh, you know shout out to my therapist. I previously had you know like Asperger's level empathy, and um, and you know, I I kind of shifted into being like, all right, this dude must be in some trouble if he's asking everyone, you know, to, to trim off here, then he must be in trouble. So I got on the golf cart with him and said, look, dude, you know, I'm not, I'm not the one, you know, so we're not canceling shit. I'm here. I'm going to do you, I'm going to do for you what I told you I was going to do. And I need you to do the same, but I'm willing to work with you. So, so what the fuck we got to do here? And, and essentially he goes, you're not going to take a pay cut. And I looked him dead in his eye. I said, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> not me. Somebody else can, but I'm not gonna." And yeah. he goes, "You know, well, could I, yeah, yeah. could I, could I get you the rest of the money at a later date?" And I said, "You put it on writing, and 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 know that you're going to see me again." And yes, you can't. Um, and yeah. it worked out. And it worked out. And I feel I like, that uh,
1: out.
0: yeah, and nobody, nobody got smashed,
1: right. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, I guess that goes back to the question of what's... Sometimes you have your mind made up and... Um, hard to change it, but it's hard to get you to calm down enough to listen to a couple of sides. But you eventually do, and it all works out in the end.
0: Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite thing about working with me?
1: Uh, well, you always seem to reciprocate with the funny Grateful Dead memes that we always send back and forth. Yes. Which is, you know, pretty pretty good. Um, I think the best thing is, I mean, not only your work, work ethic, um, but I believe you got everybody on our team's back, no matter what. You know, like, whether it's the band, whether it's, you know, our agent, whether it's me. Um, and I think that goes to say with our whole team is like, we're all pretty tight unit um but i think you know you would and have gone to bat for everybody um and that's amendable and or that's respectable and something uh i appreciate you know you've taken care of everybody at one point we've all taken care of you know you it seems like a really um just mutually beneficial kind of arrangement
0: yeah yeah and you know it's hard because yeah, you know, in situations, you know, like that festival or, you know, even if it's a low attended show, you know, we sold, uh, when we played in Charlotte, we sold like 180 tickets or something like that. It was like just shy of 200, you know, and I apologized to Stefan and he's like, Motherf- motherfucker, I live here. You just sold 180 tickets on a Wednesday. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, right. but I just... Yeah you know, I want it to be fun for everyone. And I want everyone to feel good. And I want to feel taken care of. Because at the end of the day, I don't just want to be like, okay, cool, king of the castle, I'm balling rich, and I pay my guy. And it's because I've set up my business where, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the boss, I got all the money, and everyone else works for me. You know, uh, I like to think that that we all uh, work with each other. Right. And And so I do, you know, that's really important to me is that even if people no longer work with me, that they can say uh, that they were treated respectfully and with integrity uh, and that they were taken care of. Because that, that means more to me than than any dollar sign ever. And, and, and that I just want to be a man of my word. And when I tell people I care about them, I care about them. And if I tell you I'm going to give you 15K, I don't mean 12. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. No, I just, I think, you know, I think everybody has each other's backs, but, you know, I specifically, I specifically think that I've seen you do things, you know, to take care of certain situations and people that, you know, I respect a bunch. So that will be my favorite thing.
2: Great I like your music.
1: I think it's fine. I think, you know, you are you dress decently. Um, <laughs> all that other bullshit. But no, I think, yeah, there's a lot of respect there.
0: You know what was my my favorite managerial moment of you? Was when we were at when we were at Arizona Roots. And uh, Matt is a collector of fine sunglasses, fine handcrafted Japanese sunglasses. And we we're at Arizona Roots, and I had I had left my my sunglasses in the van. And he went without sunglasses, so his artist could have a nice pair of sunglasses for the set. You
1: look fucking good in
0: I know dude I mean it's hard not to the glasses can shout, shout do out it. Shout
1: out Garrett light get us up anytime.
0: Yeah, please dude. I like your sunglasses but I can't I can't drop that coin on them. Um but yeah, no, it's it's for me it is for me it is you know, the big picture is always the big picture but for me that's the little shit that I'm like, yeah, that's my guy. How many of y'all managers take their sunglasses off and are like, "Here you go, homie." <laughs> get out there and get look, them help. Y'all
1: look good. Yeah. yeah. I also man. had another
0: pair in my backpack,
1: so you
0: know. Camp, camp. <laughs> um let's see, let's see, let's see. Dude, I guess we'll move into I mean, you and I are always talking about music, so I'm sure um some of this will change. Or some of this I, I know, but the fans won't. Um what are your three favorite records right now?
1: Three favorite records right now. Oh man. Um, all right I'm gonna I've been going back to Born and Raised by John Mayer a bunch a so win um, for some for some reason I mean not for some reason it's it's, it's a great album um, so I've been listening to that a ton uh, there's actually this band Babaro Bluegrass Band on Minneapolis who um, actually Ryan from the last Rebel a band I used to work with sent me their album in like January and I kind of just ignored it, and for some reason I just dove back into it. And the songwriting, the guy's voice—pretty fucking phenomenal. Um, and the one that you are going to maybe end the call with—don't
2: uh, you fucking? I think say the new it, Taylor dude.
1: Swift record. I think the new Taylor Swift record is phenomenal.
0: Dude, there are a few things I dislike in the world more than Taylor Swift. COVID nineteen um Don King I think that's it. I think there's those are the only two
1: things I dislike more than Taylor Swift. Look, she's a polarizing individual and I understand that. Uh but Yeah, well,
0: here listen, I just want to give context before I get attacked for saying that. Okay? I there's a lot of artists I don't get. Which is I'm sure a lot of people don't get me. That's fine. But typically what is a saving grace? Like for instance, I'm not a Katy Perry fan, but when I saw the documentary about Katy Perry, I was like, mm-hmm. respect, dude. I, I like, mm-hmm. cool. You're a badass." Mm-hmm. now. I'm not going to mm-hmm. listen to you cause it's just not my cup of tea, but respect. Um, and I can say that for any number of artists, the, the, the rockumentary is, is the proving ground for me where I like can yeah. see the person behind the curtain. And I'm like, you're a real one, man, and you're just doing your thing, and God bless you. When I watched the Taylor Swift dude, it was like, she's just like a media character. I just, just, I just, She just seemed like a robot to me. She didn't seem like a real person, and I do not trust anybody that has that many cats, period.
1: Fair. Yeah, I, I'll 100% agree with you with the cat thing. Um, I, was, I was neither here nor there in the documentary. I just like the fact that someone of her stature can kind of go, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to throw away everything and just like make the record I want to make with the people I want to make who, you know, I like, I love the national, Uh, not a huge Bonnie Iver fan, but palatable to me. And I, you know, I respect the fact that she worked with these indie musicians and I mean, the songscapes are really good on it. The, I like the songwriting. I'm sure a lot of people are going to ignore me and turn off the podcast at this point.
0: Well, I know. Okay. I think, honestly, dude, but, I think you know, the numbers say that, that nine out of ten people will agree with you and not me, so. Yeah,
1: but, uh, you know, I'm at the point where I don't need to listen to music to be cool. Sure. I just want to listen to music to get the emotional whatever out of it that I want. Yeah. And, like, there are some songs on that new Taylor Swift record that I think just, like, they're hitting right now. The melodies are great. And I, you know, I'm, I'm past the point of like the indie kid. That's like, Oh man, if you don't even know about them.
0: Oh yeah, I
1: even, dude. I mean, you know, it makes me feel good. I'm going to listen to it.
0: Yeah, dude. Well, let's have a little confessional. Your boy here on the drive back from Colorado on the drive back from your house the other day, I spent $11 to get Amazon music because it's the only streaming service that had Garth Brooks catalog. And I listened to the whole catalog on the way home.
2: Okay.
0: I just wanted to good listen to means. Garth
1: yeah you know? respect i didn't even know he was on amazon
0: yeah dude that was the thing was i literally googled right when i got in my truck it was like where can i actually listen to garth's music and it was like amazon music 11 bucks whatever i'll cancel yeah. it next or he has month. his own
1: streaming service or something I think.
0: yeah i think it crashed i think it failed
1: which okay. is such a funny
0: thing like come on dog you're the highest yeah. selling record of all time put your shit out there for free quit being a dick about it you know and anyone that hasn't i seen the rockumentary about Garth on, on Netflix. I'd highly advise it a, cause it's a really interesting story. B he is a weirdo dude. He is a yes. weird cat.
1: He, uh, he cries at unprecedented moments,
0: dude. He could tell you about the fucking BLT that he had for lunch and make it seem like it was like a fucking Oscar winning <laughs> scene in a movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. But a ton of respect for that guy and the way that he's built his business. And, you know, I, I think I've shared it with you once is those like, post-show recap videos he does yep where you know he's like in a trailer literally in the parking lot of the venue and he was just like he's pulling up pictures he's like picking out people in the crowd and knowing them by name and like showing their tweet and just like holy shit there's literally 40,000 people and you're just picking out people and knowing who they are you know
0: dude and also who the hell rolls into a place and plays two nights at a 40,000 person stadium Garth motherfucking Brooks does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. I don't even know, dude, you get that big. You're not getting coffee by yourself. That's for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what's your, uh, Taylor uh, done at me. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) Uh, what's your favorite hip hop album of all time?
1: Oh, fuck. Uh, I don't know a good answer to this. um, I know the first, I'll just say, I'll steal by saying the first hip hop record I got was actually given to me by my mom. And it was the roots. Uh, Phrenology.
0: Is that how you
1: pronounce it? Phrenology. Phrenology.
0: Yeah. That was a good one. Phrenology.
1: Uh, I've been actually going back to that one recently. Um,
0: a favorite hip shot. RIP Malik B big shout out dog. Yep.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I like all the Kendrick shit. Yep. you know, um, I, I know a lot of the words to that one. Um, I, I like hip hop and I respect it. Um, I don't go as deep as you do, or like with other genres of music that I enjoy.
0: Yeah, dude, I've had to learn how to like it from a moral distance because I can listen yeah. to, uh, you know, I get to listen to Nipsey while I'm lifting. You do not, right. you do not want to be a promoter shorting me on one of those days.
2: Woo. No. <laughs>
0: No. shit um first record or a song that made you cry
1: uh not the first one but and it hasn't hasn't made me cry but it gives me goosebumps every time um it's mandolin oranges blue ruin
0: i just listened um, to it being, for the first
1: time it's being, phenomenal being a kid from connecticut it's about the Newtown town shooting um and it just will fucking it'll fuck you up. I, I think if you listen to it, if you haven't listened to it, put it on in the morning sometime when you're all like just waking up and listen to it and it'll, it'll devastate you. Um, actually the first time I met, I was at winter Wondergrass, and uh, I've been listening to that record all the time. And I knew man, when orange was there, so I made it a point to go up and meet their manager. And I was like, yo, I love this band and you know, love what you're doing with them. And you like, thanks. And I was like, Honestly my favorite song is Blue Ruin and he looks at me and he goes it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> I go yeah it probably is. Yeah, but honestly it's you know it gets me every time.
2: If you're looking yeah, it's a good to
1: one. feel down and depressed
0: Dude, you know what's down. really funny is I feel like there's so many artists that you're like hey you should check this out. And I'm like, eh, not really my style. And then like three months later, it isn't just a band that I like. I'm like fully engulfed in their catalog and listening to nothing. but. Like I remember last summer when I was down for a rise, you're like, you fuck with Tyler Childers? And I was like, nah, man, not really at all. Yeah. And then like fast forward six months and it was like, dude, I had a few weeks there where yeah. that was pretty much all I listened to was him and the Steel Drivers.
1: Well, I look forward to uh, hanging out in November and listening to Taylor Swift record.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. You
1: being all over it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that one I don't think I'll breach. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, you know what's funny? Last night we were talking about Ryan Adams. And my wife was like, yeah, I've never really listened to a Ryan Adams record all the way through. And it just made my heart drop. I was like, what? Which one did you pick? Uh, well, John was about to, John Wayne was about to uh, go for a really long motorcycle ride. So I told him to listen to Prisoner.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, just because it's got a good road vibe.
1: Okay.
0: I, that's uh, Prisoner is my, if we're doing a nighttime drive and everyone else is going to undoubtedly fall asleep, that's my. That's your jam. That's my jam. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I really like his second record. Um, what was the name of that record? The one with New York, New York on it. Oh sure. Um, Hang on, I'll put. It was recently listened to because I tried to play play it last night for everybody. Um, his live at Carnegie Hall shit is bonanzas too.
1: Y- yeah, I'm am a big Gold. fan of the Cardinals. Gold. I think if you want my favorite Ryan Adams recording, it's actually not. It's on. Um, it's on YouTube. It's all really shitty potato quality videos but it's uh he does carolina rain like acoustic with the cardinals and he's sitting in this big cathedral in the uk i if if you could wear out youtube videos i've worn out that one
0: i love it yeah um all right last one last question of the podcast how do you want to be remembered
1: uh as someone who gave a shit and uh, worked with people to get them to a level that they wanted to get to and, you know, for people to respect before that.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good stuff. Well, I'm sure we'll do another episode. There's so much stuff that I want to talk about that we can't really talk
1: about because we're in the middle of figuring it out. Right. Well, I got to do one thing real quick. Okay. I got to give a shout out to my wife, Lainey. Yep. Our two dogs, Mags and Augie, and my mom and dad, because I know they will all listen. And I would get a call that says, You didn't even mention this once. So, shout Mentioned.
0: out to all of Dude, I yes. want to give a shout out to Lainey and your parents uh and oh yeah dude i was mowing the lawn earlier and i was like what would be a hilarious question to ask uh matt but the the moment's passed now i was going to like very seriously in the middle of the album questions just be like kill one keep one megs or ox oh I'm not
1: doing
0: it <laughs> sorry <laughs> but yeah huge shout out matt's parents are are two of my favorite people uh so hillary and Dan, if you're listening uh i know you know this but uh I love you very very much and you guys have have been one of my favorite parts of uh of the Satsung story uh and any time that we get to spend time with you is always a treat and a delight and something I look forward to very very much um and yeah dude after we uh after we finish this whole uh record deal nonsense we'll uh yeah
1: we can we can dive back in and <laughs> dissect
0: cuz that's um... You know, the short version is that we can say is, is we're working through a couple options right now uh, to make the next record, and um, it's been really stressful for me, and uh, yeah, Matt's just been a champ of, of uh, yeah.
2: I'll
0: take just, it one
1: step at a time. Yes, in and the that's end, it. In the end, in the end we're going to make a really good record, and I know we're going to, depend on the fans to come along with us in this journey and the ones that are already fans right now, you know, we're gonna need your help because this is the goal is to bring this music to a lot more people. Um but that doesn't mean forgetting the people that, you know, helped get us there. So uh be ready. Um it's gonna be fucking awesome. I've heard most of the songs. Uh I dig them. I wish I could listen to them more, but you know, doesn't really share that stuff sometimes. (laughs) Well, now I got an office. uh, I'll record them. Yeah. I, I'm excited about it. Like, uh, I think, you know, we just got to figure out the timing with all this COVID stuff and um, it's going to be exciting.
0: Yeah. I'm super excited. You know, at the end of the day, as an artist, uh, you know, that's been the hardest part of this whole thing with me is that I just want to hurry up and make this fucking record, dude. Cause I've been listening to it in my head for six months and I just want to create it so everyone else can listen to it too. Yeah. Um, We'll get there. We'll get, yes, like sir. I tell
1: you every fucking time I pick up the it's like once at a time, we'll get there. Don't worry. We, we got nothing else going on right now.
0: I just want to finish so. a record and play the Coliseum in Rome. No big deal. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, well, This is great.
1: You know, wrap it up. Put your intro and outro on it. Send it to me. I'll take care of the rest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Deal. I'll do it right now. All right, bro. I love you. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: Thanks so much. See you.
0: Peace. All right. That is it. That is another episode. That is an episode of the podcast that we call the Satsung Podcast because, hey, man. It's a decent name for a podcast if you have a band called Satsung and you're having a podcast because your band can't tour. Anyway, I love y'all. Uh, next week on the podcast, we have the hilarious and talented Jamie Kilstein. Jamie is a Brazilian Jitsu black belt. He is also a stand-up comedian. Um, the dude's fucking funny, man. He runs, uh, he runs a couple uh, hilarious Instagram pages that are very, very large in the jujitsu and mixed martial arts communities. Um, dude just cranks out really hilarious memes and really funny videos of talking about funny shit. But, um, dude, Robin Williams was a fan of the guy. So that tells you something about how funny he is. Uh, but anyway yes Jamie Kilstein is the next episode uh, and then I don't know who's next after that I know we'll have Carl on soon because we're going to talk about the dark and debaucherous days of, uh, of our youth and I also want uh, to dive into Carl's perspective of the growth of Satsung and what it's been like for him so anywho um, I love y'all stay hydrated take care of each other Get them workouts in.